The following episode of Fuller Brown is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. One of the things that I got away from being raised in a religious household was that you cannot help other people until you are perfect. That is not exactly what they taught me, but it is one of those things that kind of got stuck with me that they judged me, or I felt judged anyway, for trying to help other people when I myself wasn't all the way healed or I myself wasn't all the way maybe in the state of mind that I should have been. So I have come to find out that that's not true. I have come to find out that through my experiences and my journeys, I learn and I can teach. You know, a chef cannot become a good chef until he burns a couple of plates. And I've come to know that You know, for the longest time, I withheld telling a lot of my stories because I thought, you know, I'm not prepared. I'm not perfect. I'm not the right example for this yet. But I'm coming to find out that it is okay to learn as you do. And I've come to find out that that's the best way to do this. And I'm going to be talking about some things that nobody knows. Only my family and a couple of close friends know. Other than that, nobody knows. And it's going to be a hard one. And you think you've heard a lot. You think you've heard it all from me. No, there's a lot more I have to tell. Um, But I'm saying this to you, though, because if you have a story and you feel like it's not worth sharing because the story is not over, I want to encourage you to share it. Write to us, uh, fullerbrown.com, fullerbrownpodcast.yahoo.com, our social medias. Um, But if you don't want to do that, it's still okay for you to go through something and find answers along the way and learn and heal at the same time. Because I always grew up thinking I couldn't help anybody. I couldn't be a blessing to someone. I couldn't be the person I was destined to be until I was perfectly perfect or until I had it all figured out. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true. So I'm saying that also because this is a story that's going to be hard for me to tell. Um, I'm really nervous. I'm very, um, this is going to be as vulnerable as you probably have heard me up to now. So I just encourage you to listen to this episode with, again, your heart on your hand and a lovely ear, a loving ear, and with compassion and with understanding. Um, So without further ado, cue the music. Full of brown. You know, this is one of those stories that I wanted to keep to myself for as long as I could. And I really never intended to share this, at least until next season, 
But I think I'm prepared. This is part two of childhood traumas. And this is something that has very much uh, marked my childhood and has affected me in many, many ways. And for the longest time, I um, just kind of pushed it under the rug just because um, it's embarrassing um, to the point where, you know, it's embarrassing for my family, not, not just me. Um, so out of respect, I just wanted to not bring them into this. You know, my show is about me and my guests. I never wanted to speak for them or speak for, you know, for their experiences or their voices that have their own voice. Um, but this is one of those episodes where I, I think I'm ready I think I'm prepared and I think I'm in the right place to tell this part of me without anger or without um, maybe hate in my heart and without any um, fear of any repercussions because my family and I have healed this part. Uh, And I, I will admit not to the full, not to the fullest yet, but you know, we're working on it. And, um, this is mainly an episode regarding me and my father. So if I get emotional, I do apologize. Scratch that. I don't apologize, but <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 I, I don't like showing emotion. So this is very much, um, a hard thing for me, but, um, let's go on. So as you guys know, by now, um, I am a gay man. Um, and I knew since I was like three or four years old, um, and I was fine with it, to be honest, at first, you know, because I just thought it was normal. I honestly thought this is just normal. And now I know it is. It is normal to be myself. But before all this story that I'm about to share, I I, I had already thought it was normal. I didn't feel like I was broken. I didn't feel like. I was trying to be something I'm not. I didn't feel, you know, I don't feel dumb for being myself or stupid or, you know, an idiot. But um, back when I was living in Mexico, I was born there and I came to the U.S. when I was five years old, five-ish or six-ish, and for the first um, years of my childhood, I don't remember my father. He wasn't there. He was already in this country trying to prepare a path for us. And, you know, I'm really grateful for that because I grew up in a country where even though we're a little cray-cray sometimes, I, I still prefer to be here. It's still a, you know, a pleasure. It's still a luxury to be here, to enjoy my life as best as I can and still celebrate who I am, you know, as a Mexican man. Um, that being said, I kind of remember growing up thinking I didn't have a dad. So it was it was very hard to kind of thought out what a father was supposed to be. Um, I don't remember meeting him until I was like, when we got here, maybe six I remember him one time when he visited us in Mexico and, you know, obviously I know who he was cause they told me, but, um, so our relationship kind of started out Rocky 
Um, I, I never judged him for that. Obviously, he was making a better way for us. He was making choices that were hard for him as well. You know, this wasn't something selfish of him. It wasn't. So I, I know that now. But, you know, as a kid, you don't know that. You don't realize that. And I was really, you know, feeling distant from him ever since then. The one time he did go over there basically to pick us up. Or, as I remember correctly, he went back there for a bit, um, stayed with us for a, a couple of months, and then we came over here. And that time, I remember I disobeyed him one time. You know, Mexico is very, uh, you know, it, it's it's a rough patch to live in, to be honest. I, I love it. Uh, of what I can remember, I love the people. I love my culture. It's, it's I love it. However, it's not as safe in certain parts and... You know, people may not realize that, you know, the thing of Mexico, think of, you know, Cabo and they think of, you know, the beaches and, you know, stuff. But it's not all glamorous, just like the U.S. You know, not all of us are great people. <laughs> so um, I remember we were talking in the middle, me and my dad, we were in the middle of like what seems to be nowhere. He was talking to like a, a friend of his, you know, he took too long. And I was like, Dad, I just want to go. I want to go. My grandma's house is like down the street. Hold on, mijo, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know why. I just ran off and went to my grandma's house. And I was just there. Da, 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 and all of a sudden, I hear my grandma's door. This is like after 10 minutes. Like, slam open. And where is he? And I was like, oh, oh shit, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. I hid under the bed. And he dragged me by my arm. And he dra- dragged me to our house. My grandma was like, no, leave the boy alone. You know, he doesn't know. He's just a boy. Blah, blah, blah. You know. And, okay, we, he took me home. He's like, go to your room. I can't see you right now. Okay. I knew I was in trouble because, you know, the man looked angry. He was very <laughs> pissed. And I waited for him. And then he came. I could tell he had calmed down. Um, And he's like, do you know what you did wrong? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I do. He's like, unfortunately, I'm going to have to, you know, whoop you. I'm going to have to give you a spanking. He's like, I'm only going to give you three. Um, and it's, you know, it's for your own good. So turn around, you know, pull down your pants and, you know, I'm going to whoop you. I was like, okay. Um, took my pants down. He whooped me three times. Really hard. Um, it hurt. But, you know, as a Mexican you know, that's just how we discipline our kids, right? So I was like, okay, I deserved it. I'm fine. I know he was hurt because I remember him crying like next door because his room was next to mine. I could remember hearing him like sob a bit. And I think it was mainly because he was afraid that he had just lost me or that I was kidnapped or, you know, dangerous lives over there. You know, we, we, we'd lived dangerously, you know, in a bad neighborhood. So um, um, he was just afraid. I get that. Uh, fast forward, um, let's say three, four years. I was seven years old. And as if you've heard my previous episodes, I was sexually abused at seven by a neighbor. Um, and I think this is kind of where our bad relationship kept going or picked up, I guess, continued. I remember telling him, you know, hey... Uh, this man did this to me. He said, what man? I was like, I don't know. This man that lived right here. Da, 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 da. No, that's impossible. 
that's not that's not true like it is true um i I don't know what to do my body changed like i I could feel my body changing at seven it's kind of like this jump started my puberty so i was my body was awakened you know it's it's that's the easiest way i can explain it without being too graphic um he didn't believe me he told my mom it's not like she didn't believe me, but she was just like, what? It seemed kind of impossible, you know? So we kind of just left it at that. They never approached my babysitter, which I was in her care when this happened. They never approached the man, and we just moved on. Um, As a young kid, though, this is even before this event, by the way. Um, I was a very flamboyant boy. I was very girly and i'll admit that it's it's fine it's it's i guess who i was at that moment so um my dad hated that part of me he was he would get really angry you know because as a mexican you know macho man and 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 be graphic and be you know ruggish and you know just be rough and i wasn't i was the opposite i was really soft i was really emotional um i was very into my feelings then and you know that's just that's just who I was. So I'm gonna jump a lot of timelines so you guys can understand the whole story. And I'm just trying to be you know as explainable, or I'm trying to explain this as better as best as possible. So just bear with me. Have you heard my podcast? Um, you know that I grew up in a religious household, um, uh, and this is not a secret. Obviously, if you've been keeping up, you know. And I'm bringing it up again just for those that may not have heard those episodes. So I did. I grew up in a church um, and I'm jumping to this part of my childhood where I was in Sunday school. And by then I was like 11, 11 or 12. And they had moved me from the juniors class, which is like preteens to the full teens class. And I was like, oh, I wonder why they did that. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, I was sitting there with like 19-year-olds, 18-year-olds. Um, okay, sure, okay. Fine. I was pretty mature for my age. I was just like, okay. Um, the teacher said, okay, today we're going to talk about, you know, homosexuality. And I was like, okay. He kind of gave me like a smirk. So I was like, this is not good. Um... I knew what homosexuality was because I got called a lot of names as a kid. So I was like, okay, that's the nicest term for it, I guess. But we're in a church building. So I guess this will do. And he said, Tony, open your Bible. And I opened it. And he said, go to the book of Romans chapter six or chapter eight. I don't remember. And read this verse. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I strictly said, you know, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven if you are an effeminate, if you are a homosexual, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, okay. So I read that and he asked me, do you understand when you read? And I said, um, sure, you know, at a young age, I already knew I was going to hell. So yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I get it. And he laughed and he said, I don't think you get it. I'm like, can you read it again? I'm like, Okay. I read it again, and by this time, I was feeling humiliated. I was feeling very vulnerable, 
and that hurt. Um, mainly because I didn't feel like I had anybody there that could help me out, you know? I didn't have anybody there that could defend me or stop him. Um, I didn't feel protected, you know? Um, the girl next to me, she kind of saw that I was getting awkward and, um, she said, are you okay? And I just said, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm fine. Yeah. He said, okay, well, the teacher going back to him, he said, read it again. I read it again. And he's like, can anybody tell me what an effeminate is? And I said, I'm just going to stay quiet. I don't, I, I knew what it was, but I'm just going to stay quiet. You know, someone jokingly said, oh, you know, when, when they act like a girl, you know, when they're very, um, and excuse my language, he said when they're faggy, he said it in Spanish, it's a different word. Um, and as soon as he said that word, something in me broke. Um, because I knew where the conversation was going. I knew where the teacher's intentions were going. Um, cause he had a smirk and I will never forget that smirk. Um, so he said, Tony, will you stand up? And I did. He said, look at him. Look at Tony, everybody. You know, somebody like this would not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, mind you, I was 12. I was 11. I was 12. And that's the moment I figured God did not love me. And I've said this part in a different episode. My coming out story. Um, I'm going to go back. You can. But... I'm I'm not repeating this story to the fullest for that reason. This is, there's a part A of this this episode today. Um he said this is what an, what that example is. And I said, "Sir, um can you excuse me? I need to go to the restroom." He's like, "No, you're going to take a seat and you're going to learn." He said, somebody else opened the book, of, you know, the Bible to the book of Leviticus. And you know where I'm going with the verses, you know. Um, and ever since then, I just, that, that broke me. As an 11-year-old boy, by the way, I wasn't a man. I wasn't an adult. I wasn't clear-headed yet. Especially for the stuff that I had been through at that point, you know. So, as I constantly do when people hurt me, I went to the bathroom, cried it out, toughened up, because that's just how I had to be. Coincidentally, this person was another minister at the church, and, you know, he knew my father pretty well. They were friends. Um, and he came over to my house um, before this class, by the way. And he would say, hey, 
um, you need to do something about your son. You know, he's turning really gay. He's he's really gay, and you know, we 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 can't have that. You know, he's a musician. You know, we need to we need to change him now that he's early. You know, now that he's younger, that way we can shape him up into becoming a man. You know. We need to train him to become a man, you know, because his mannerisms, you know, the way he talks, the way he moved his hands, you know, the way he, you know, the way he carries himself, you know, it's it's very, very um, feminine. And I was hiding um, behind some tree or something. I don't remember what I was hiding, but my dad said, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we need to. We need to change him. That went back to the moment for me feeling unsafe, feeling unprotected. Feeling like I didn't have that father that I needed, you know. So that's part A. Part B is what the solution came to those conversations. So one of the things my dad tried to do to fix me, quote unquote, um, he would hit me a lot. You know, we considered it spanking. We considered it in our culture. You know, we call it discipline, but that wasn't discipline. Uh, growing up, uh, there was one event where, you know, my dad hit me really, really hard to where I kind of almost not blacked out, but I was very, very unconscious for a bit. And I, to this day, I don't remember what I did, but I had to go sit outside of my house, you know, in the snow, because it was in the winter, sit, sitting in the snow for about a, a couple of hours. And that's abuse. That's not, that's not discipline. No matter what I had done, that's not discipline. Every time I did something wrong, my punishment was heavy, super heavy. Not violently heavy, like, you know, prison movies bad, <laughs> but bad enough to where I felt the hate. And then that's where, to me, abuse comes in. When you discipline your child and it turns into hate and you can feel the hate with each, with each whip or with each hit, you know, you, you feel the anger. And that's what marked me, not the physical stuff. What marked me was the intention that I felt with every hit, with every slap, with every through a shoe being thrown. That's what I felt. I felt like I was just a pebble in his shoe, honestly. Our relationship got really bad after that Sunday school class. I told him about that again. He said, no, that's not true. That doesn't sound true. Why would he do that to you? I'm like, I don't know. But he did. And he's my teacher, so I'm going to see him again. So can we do something about this? And he's like, there's no way. I'll talk to him. Don't worry about it. To this day, I don't know if he talked to him to him or not. They had a lot of conversations about me without them knowing I knew. So every time my dad would hit me or I'm going to say discipline, every time my dad would discipline me, I I felt the hate. I felt the homophobia. I felt because again, when you grow up in a religious household back then, 
one of the things they uh, acquired to do was to be perfect, was to be, you know, the best that they can be to the public eye. You know, they had to have, uh, they had to have impeccable houses, families, finances, because if you can't, you know, protect your house, how are you going to protect the church, blah, 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 which I still think that's bullshit because, you know, home should come first and then the church, if that, you know, there's not going to be one of those episodes where I talk about the church. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. But I, I always felt that um, strongly from him. And... I'm not going to go into details about all the times that, you know, we had a physical altercation, but it did get to the point where I daydreamed running him over. Um, I would daydream like crushing his head with the tires. I'm not mentally unstable. I'm just telling you that's how bad the hate grew within me. I was really traumatized as a kid and he would kind of taunt me, you know, taunt me. Uh, he would take off the belt, you know, kind of whip it against the wall and I would sit straight or, you know, whatever. And that's no way to live. Um, that's no way to be a child, um, a teenager, um, an adult. Here's why I'm sharing it now, because you're probably thinking, oh, my God, your dad's a horrible ass person. This is the part where um, treating trauma comes in place. A lot of our Hispanic households are tough like this. And and I think because I was, I am a gay person, but as a gay kid, this hit me different as a regular ass whooping. This was different than a regular discipline moment because I could feel the hatred. I could feel the resentment that I wasn't the firstborn he wanted. You know, I wasn't the the perfect child he wanted. I wasn't the perfect son. And you know what kind of killed me is that when I was growing up, a lot of other ministers or other people around the church would say, oh, my God, I wish my son was like you. Or, And I was like, why can't my dad think that way? Why can't he ever appreciate me for who I am? And And this episode is not an episode to bash my father. He's a pastor now, and we've talked about this. We've healed together. We've cried together. He has apologized. Um, and we moved on. And I no longer hate my father. And I, I can say that freely. I no longer want him dead. I, well, I wanted him dead. I no longer do. I have respect for him. I see him in a different light. And this is what changed. And this is where I hope this helps somebody. You know, our Mexican parents or whatever culture you're from, they had a life before they became a parent. Later, as I got older, I found out that my grandfather got murdered uh, when my dad was, I believe he said, 13 years old. So that means my father grew up without a father. And I don't know anything about his father, my grandfather, so I don't know if he grew up without a proper father. So... It it's a generational thing that just passes and passes and passes until someone stops it. And it's one of those things where if we don't talk about it, if we don't address it, if we don't um, heal from it, it's going to keep going on to our children. 
no, I, I don't know if I've said it before in the show, but I don't want to have kids and I don't want to be married. Um, that might have something to do with it. I don't know. I'll talk about it to, you know, with my therapist once I find the right one. But this is one of those things where I had to realize that before my father became that pastor, that minister, that father, he was his own person. And he went through his own struggles and he went through his own um things, you know, he, he went through his own traumas too. The day that I came out to my dad, um, the first time of, you've heard the previous episodes, I stated that there was somebody in the church that outed me to my family. They did. Cause I only came out to my dad first. Um, he kept that secret. Once I officially told him, I was, I was like 20 something. And the reason why I came out to him was because of the shooting in Florida uh, to that nightclub. If y'all remember, there was a nightclub, a gay nightclub shooting that happened in Florida. And um, around that time is whenever I was getting to know myself. I was experimenting with, you know, the gay club scene, you know, you know, just gay people. I was I was beginning to learn who I was and I was a, you know pre-adult or uh, an adult I was supposed to be. So when that story came out, what I heard at the church was a lot, you know, well, let's pray for the souls of those gays because, you know, they went straight to hell for sure. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of them went straight to hell and even their parents for not treating the child right, for not teaching the child as they should have been, you know, according to the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. So whenever... I heard that and I heard nobody defending those people. I knew that I had to, at least within my family, starting with my father. So perfect opportunity to tell him how I felt about him and how much I needed him because my father never backed me up when somebody treated me badly, clearly, or maybe not, you know, not to my face. So I don't know. So whenever that happened, you know, I told him, like, hey, do you remember when I was a kid and, you know, this happened and that happened? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you that I still have those feelings for boys. I still have, you know, I still have those sensations within me, you know, in being a, a spiritual guy. You know, he's, did you pray about it? Did you fast about it? Did you... Like, yeah, I did, um, which I hated it, by the way, because who likes to go hungry just to go straight? No, not me. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I don't think the straight people would want to go hungry just to be gay. No, that's who you are. But we're not going to open this into a debate. I'm just giving you that little side note. Um, but I told him, like, hey, yeah, um, those people died, dad, and they didn't get to be free for the rest of their lives. And I don't want to be that way because even though I wasn't dead, I felt like I was dying on the inside. I could, I could no longer be afraid every time I stepped into a church because a preacher would call me out or, or try to exercise me again, you know, or just, I was tired of that. So I told him, I need for you to become my father now. And we cried and he apologized. And I asked him, like, hey, you know, as a child, you would abuse me a lot physically. 
I call it abuse. You know, they call it discipline. Um, did you do it a lot because I was gay? And he said, you know, I don't know. I know I had a lot of anger within me and I let it out a lot on you. And that's kind of when it hit me another part of him. You know, he got here to this country when he was 20, you know, and he didn't speak the language yet. You know, we only had one family member here and, you know, he committed suicide later on. So he was going through a lot. And at that moment, I understood him. I under, I put myself in his shoes for the first time and he put himself into mine and he realized that he wasn't there for me. And I realized that I didn't try to understand him either. You know, especially Mexican men do not apologize. It's hard for us to apologize, to say, you know what? I fucked up. I'm sorry. I did not mean to be that father to you. I did not mean to be that son to you. And that day we healed. Or we started to. It took a while. It, it wasn't overnight. But, you know, it, it happened. And I'm glad it did. And now um, it's been a good seven to ten years ever since then. And we've gotten closer. I'm scared to go back to that place of anger. And I don't want it to be. But, you know, he's still practicing, you know, that religion. So that kind of we bump head sometimes. But it's not as bad as it could be. Um, but I'm sharing this story with you guys because... A lot of our family, uh, families, a lot of our childhood traumas come from home first. Not everybody goes through, you know, childhood traumas outside of the home most of the time. And I don't know if there's a, you know, a, a statistic about this or not. But I know for a fact, at least within me, you know, it started at home. Um, a lot of the people that follow the podcast, you know, are my age or a bit younger, and I just want us to be using my story as a learning thing to treat your children right. Hear your children be better fathers. You know, be the father that you needed as a child. Become the mother you needed as a child. You know, become that friend to someone. Hear them out. Because our people nowadays, we're selfish as hell. We are. We don't like to listen to other people's stories. We don't like to listen to other people's quote unquote excuses, or we don't like to hear other people's situations. And I mean, because we haven't been through them. And and another reason why I wanted to do this show is to give those people a voice, because when we don't talk about this, this stuff just builds up and it builds up and it becomes a horrible bag to carry for the rest of your life, the rest of our lives. And I can only speak to you and the things that I've been through, but there's probably things that you have been through that I cannot understand, but I'm I'm willing to hear you. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to try to understand and get the help that you and I need, because the first step is to admit it, to talk about it. Second step is to get help in any way that you think you need it. But I do remember when I was a child, um, one of my favorite shows was Full House. And I would love that show because in that show, every time these kids would do something or they misbehave, they never got an ass whooping. All they got was a timeout and you're not going to have TV for a week. And I'm like, oh, that must be nice. I'm like, what the hell? And I, I envied 
you know, other people's households. And I envied a great father. But I have come to find out that even though I was broken, I could still shine. Even though I was in a broken home, at the end, we get to shine. And my family is not perfect. My dad's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we're trying our very, very best. So if you know me personally, my family, you know, treat my dad the same. Treat me the same. Because we we use this as a learning, a stepping stone for our family. And it has helped him within his church. You know, he's a pastor. So this helped him understand other parents and understand other children. He's starting to understand, you know, uh, the gay community more. He's starting to understand other people's sides of the story, you know, and, and that's perfect. That's great. You know, like I said, we bump heads from time to time, but you know, that's how it's going to be. You know, there's things that he was raised with that it can be hard to be undone. You know, it's hard for you to, um, let go of certain traits that you've been taught. Uh, but listener, if you're still listening to this, which I hope you are, (laughs) I just want to say that you are worthy of being heard. You know, you are worthy of being uh, a shining star. You know, you are worthy of using what you have been through in life and use that to your advantage. You know, don't let, you know, our childhood traumas uh, mistreat you into not becoming who you're meant to be. Yeah, it's hard, you know shit that we go through it's really really hard not everybody can understand and that's okay not everybody will but i do want to encourage you the listeners and my community you know in specific you know the latino community latinx community be there for one another start listening to your children start listening to your friends start listening to one another start listening to one another i hope i said that right i don't know if i did or not Listen to each other. There you go. And be there. You know, there's times where I go through heavy shit and I just, I disappear for a bit for my friends because I'm going through it. And my friends know that now. (laughs) Not at first, but when I go through something very emotional or traumatic, I tend to step away for a bit and, you know, until I recuperate and get back up. So I encourage you to do that. It's okay to take a day off. It's okay to take a week off. I'm very content with all of you for listening and for understanding our stories. And like I said, if you have one, talk to me. Uh, We'll get you on the show if you want to. If not, we can just grab a coffee. We'll be fine. But I do want you to know that you're worthy of being heard and you're worthy of being understood. And, you know, we can be so many things in life if we just admitted our faults, if we you know, just accept who we are as we are, you know, and, and that's what I encourage you to do. So listeners, thank you for being with me on these childhood trauma series stories. It's more to come, but I wanted to share mine. I hope it helped you. I hope it has brought light to maybe a problem you're trying to avoid. But nonetheless, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the people that send me 
messages to the podcast page, to my personal page, through the podcast socials. You cannot begin to understand how grateful I am for those. Those keep me going. And thank you. Thank you so much. But I'm going to wrap it up right now. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Full of